Well, the cross is empty and the grave is too because he arose. Christ arose. He is risen. He is risen indeed. I'm so glad to see you this morning. For those of you joining us online, as well as those in person, if you're new around here, I want to just welcome you and tell you that we have a free gift for you if you visit us in the lobby after service or just simply connect on the digital connection card right there online. Let us know that you were here and we would get that out to you. This is Resurrection Sunday. It is the most celebrated Christian event of all year long. This is the calendar event we long for and we wait for. And so for the next few moments, I just want to share from the scriptures what God's word tells us about this momentous event. Looking back on your life, I'm sure that there are some seasons that you can identify that though short in duration, though maybe just a week or a couple of months, you can identify that in that period of time, it seems like you did a whole lot of living, like a whole lot of things happened so much so that it altered the events of your future. It actually changed the course of everything else in your life just as one small event clustered into a couple days that spanned in maybe two weeks or months. Well, the resurrection took place only three days after the crucifixion. For Jesus' disciples, this one week from triumphal entry to the resurrection, just seven days changed the course of human history. It actually altered every event that would happen thereafter. And this is what God has impressed upon us this Easter, this Resurrection Sunday, that small things with small beginnings can take root and have a huge change. Somebody say, a big change. This morning, I want to share a couple stories with you around this resurrection. You and I know that from personal experience, a lot can happen in a week. And Jesus' disciples experienced such range of emotions in this one seven-day period, from discouragement and doubt to the depths of despair, all the way up to the heights of victory when Jesus rose from the grave. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the Gospel according to Mark chapter 15. I want to share with you this text. In verse 33, it says, Now when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is translated, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood by when they heard it, they said, look, he is calling for Elijah. Then someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine and put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink saying, let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come and take him. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice and breathed his last. Then the veil of the temple was torn into from top to bottom. So when the centurion who stood opposite him saw that he cried out like this and breathed his last, he said, and here is the text, truly this man was the son of God. Truly this man was the son of God. Of God. This centurion was likely from the Italian cohort. He was brought in this day on a special mission as a good Roman citizen and Roman soldier. He was just simply doing his job. 
He was an out-of-towner, so he wasn't impressed with the squibbles and the the quabbles that were happening with the Jewish uh, Sanhedrin and the people of that day. He didn't much care about the politics of the Jewish people. He was part of the politics of Rome. He was just there to do a job. He was dispatched on special orders because he heard that there was an uprising in the land. He heard that there was something that was about to happen that day that could cause a little bit of disruption. So they sent their best soldiers, centurions, to be dispatched on this day. And here he was after observing this prisoner on the cross for about six hours, no doubt, he would have been standing there and watching this man Jesus as he's dying. Yet something transpired that changed the outlook of this man. Something happened there that was about to alter the course of his entire destiny. He was in close proximity, close enough to hear with his own ears the dying breath and the words of Jesus, it is finished. And upon hearing that and seeing him breathe his last breath, this centurion, this professional soldier, a man not given to empathy, a man not given to tears or humility, had these words to say, truly, this man was the son of of God. There was something that activated inside of him, something that allowed him to see like he had never seen before. All of a sudden, he had not just eyesight, but he had insight. He had a vision that showed him the living Christ now dying a criminal's death. What happened that day? What happened to this man? that he would make such a bold proclamation, one that would have surely got him reprimanded from his superiors. But surely this man is the son of God. See, something transformed not only his eyesight, but his insight. See, you and I today, we we, uh, will go for some modern technologies. If we can't see something clearly, then we'll just get us a, a pair of glasses. Now, he didn't have that ability. Now, these here are just reading glasses. I don't wear these often just when I'm reading. Somebody told me that, you know, once you get 40, you need glasses. And I said, I've never needed glasses, 20-20 eyesight. But something did happen activated after 40. All of a sudden, you need to get a little better clarity, a little better vision. But there is a difference between having eyesight and having vision. This man on the inside was now able to see something he was never before able to see. Something activated that was more than just simply getting a clearer vision of of what was happening on the outside. It was more than just being able to to wipe mud out of his eyes to see clearer. He could now see from the inside clearer. Truly, this was the Son of God. But he was not the first to see this. He was not the first one to grab a hold of this revelation. If you recall that there was, so, there was a, a, two thieves on the side of Jesus. Three men were hung that day. Three men were bleeding and dying and suffering on that cross. And on one side was a man who mocked and ridiculed Jesus, not believing him to be the son of God at all. He would simply sneer at Jesus. But on the other side of Jesus was another thief. There was something that was unique about this thief for he started to believe the claims of Christ. And before he died, he had this plea to Jesus. He said, Jesus, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? You see, 
with one dying prayer, with a bold proclamation of faith, this thief, as he's dying on the cross, had his spiritual eyes enlightened. He didn't have glasses put on his eyes, but on the inside, spiritually, the veil was taken down from his eyes, and he too could see that Jesus was the Son of God. See, being in close proximity with Jesus changes things. Being in close proximity with the body of Christ will change a life, will illuminate your eyesight and your insight and give you a new vision for the future. It was the dying thief on the cross and then the Roman centurion that were able to have their eyes open and see what previously they were not able to see. Both men had physical sight, yet both men were spiritually blind. Then it dawned on them. The eyes of their understanding were opened and now they could see clearly. Can I tell you that in this day, Jesus is still opening blinded eyes. Jesus still helps the blind to see. And I'm not just talking about those who have a physical infirmity, but on the inside, we all were once lost and undone without God and his son. We were blind and could not see, but now we can sing the songs of the redeemed. I can see, I can see, I have been born again. I can see indeed because my eyes have been opened. Only three days later after this event, it was the first day of the week. The tomb was found empty. Did someone come and steal the body of Jesus? Did someone steal him away at night? Is this just some cruel trick to get our hopes up? We know that he said that he would not stay there, but we had never seen anything like this. Sure, Lazarus had been raised, but where is Jesus? Did someone steal his body or could it be? Did he rise just like he said that he would do? The Gospel of Luke records a story of two disciples as they're walking on the road, and we even know the road. We don't know their names, but we know the road. It's called the road to Emmaus. And it says here that when the resurrected Jesus came to walk with them, he actually drew near up beside them and Jesus started to walk with them and talk with them. And, and they actually looked at Jesus and they said, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem this weekend? Do you not know the events that happened? Now that's a, a curious question. These were disciples is what the scripture tells us, yet they didn't recognize Jesus. And so I'm so glad that the scripture tells us that it was because their eyes were darkened. They were not able to recognize him. It was a spiritual darkening over their eyes temporarily. And they began to recount for this stranger that has joined them on the road. They didn't even know it was him. He's, they started to recount to him all of the things that were happening that weekend. How that a righteous man went to a criminal's cross and died for the sins of of others, but he had no sin himself. And they started to tell him this. And this was a curious conversation. Here are two people telling the son of God about the son of God. And here's what the scriptures tell us. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, this is Luke 24 and 27. He expounded to them all the scriptures and the things concerning himself. They drew near to the village and where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, 
and the day is, uh, but they constrained him saying, abide with us for it is evening and the day is far spent. And he went in and stayed with them. Now it came to pass, watch this, as he sat down at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. Then the eyes of their understanding, their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road and while he opened up the scriptures to us? Here's what happened. They're walking along the road. They're talking to Jesus, not even recognizing it's Jesus. And he goes back and from Moses and all the prophets starts to tell them about the prophecies regarding him. They still did not know it was Jesus. And yet when he would have gone further, it says that they compelled him, they constrained him to stay. Now, here's the thing you need to know about a relationship with God is that God will not stay and abide in a place where he is not invited and welcomed. But when you will compel with your life of worship, a God of all gods, the King of all kings to come and to stay a while in your presence, then he's happy to tabernacle. He's happy to sit down and he will even prepare a meal before you, even in the presence of your enemies. They had no enemies that day, but as they sat down, they began to embark upon a meal. And here's what they did. The scriptures say that when Jesus sat down with them to eat and he broke of the bread, their eyes were open. You see, I have some, some things here to show you how that your eyes get open. Illumination, the bread opened their eyes. The, the, the glasses can help me see, but this is the all-seeing, all-searching, all-knowing searchlight of our soul that helps us to see like we have never seen before. Because Jesus started at the scriptures in Moses and all the way through began to show them the things which their eyes had been blinded to see. When he broke the bread, their eyes were open. Notice the scriptures say nothing about the wine because his blood had already been spilt. He looked at his disciples later on and he said, look at me and touch me for I am flesh and bone, not flesh and blood, for I am flesh and bone. His blood had already been poured out. Thank God for the blood. We sang about the blood. I thank God for the blood. How many thank God for the blood? The blood that was spilled so that you and I could be free. But on this road to Emmaus, this opening of their eyes happened. And here's what I want to ask you is that have you gotten close enough to the body of Christ so that you can feel the presence of God? And I'm not talking about coming to church. People think because they come to church that they're a Christian. You're no more a Christian because you come to church. Just like if you would sit in your garage and make motorcycle noises, you're not a motorcycle. Amen. Coming to church does not make any difference. You have to go to Calvary to go to heaven. You have to see and have your spiritual eyes enlightened. It doesn't matter if the person next to you always attends church and reads chapters every single day and prays every day and you don't. It is that relationship with Jesus. It is having your eyes enlightened on the inside, the understanding that what God has said, God will do. And in this moment, as their eyes were open, they began to talk about how that there was something inside that burned. Did not our hearts burn within us when he talked about the scriptures on the way? And my question for you today is, are you able to see what God is doing today? 
Are you able to see, do you recognize Jesus in your midst? Because he is right there in our presence. He is in our midst this morning. And there are three ways that I find that your eyes get open. And the first one is pain. Your eyes get open. You can see things clearer when you go through some pain. I doubt very seriously that anyone woke up this morning and thought much about your appendix, unless that is if you have some appendix problems. And you won't think much about your appendix until you have an issue, until it ruptures, and then you had better get to a hospital really quick. You probably didn't think much about the metatarsals in your feet unless you have some foot pain and some foot problems. We don't think about the things not causing us pain, but when something starts to cause us pain, it will get our attention. Can I get an amen? amen? It will get our attention. And Jesus, through his passion and through his pain, through his suffering, he was able to get the attention of these Roman centurion and of this thief on the cross. The other thing that can get our attention is tragedy. Tragedy certainly gets our attention and it got the attention of this Roman centurion. For he was recognizing, after being there for six hours, he recognized that this man had done nothing worthy of death. This was a tragedy that a 33-year-old man who was righteous in all of his ways, had never done anything sinful, had never harmed anyone, yet he was hanging on a cross. A tragedy will get our attention. A loss in your life will get your attention. It will wake you up. It will help you to see what you haven't seen before. Maybe you're going through a sorrow. Maybe you're going through something that is tragic in your life. And God wants to get your attention. And as you draw close to the body of Christ, as you draw close to the bread and the wine, as you draw close to God, he gets your attention to open up your eyes and see what you have not seen before. But there's one other thing that I believe gets our attention. It's pain, it's tragedy, but it's also delight, delight. Joy gets our attention. Have you ever been around someone that just has, has had a baby born to their family? Maybe it's a young uh, uh, mother and father, or maybe it's a, a grandparent, a, a neighbor that brings home a baby. There is something delightful about new birth. And when a child comes into this world, there is such delight, there is such joy, there is such majesty that happens around that moment that nothing else really matters. You can be offended and mad at anybody, but when you see into the eyes of that little child, there is something that says, I don't care about all the troubles in the world. This delight, it has my attention. Pain, tragedy, delight. These are cycles in life. We all go through them. We all experience them. Yet we focus so often on the tragedy. We focus and we dwell on the pain. I'm so thankful that we celebrate and commemorate on Friday that dreadful, dreary walk to the cross. But then on Sunday, we get to celebrate the resurrected King. We don't have to stay in our pain. We don't have to stay focused on the tragedy. We can focus on the delight. And the resurrection, it's personal. The resurrection is that for all who believe in Jesus, the resurrection is proof that one day you too will be raised to a resurrected body and enjoy new life everlasting in the new heavens and new earth. 
What does resurrection mean? Resurrection is all about God launching in Jesus a foretaste. Jesus being the first fruit of what was promised to all who believe in him. For God so loved the world that he gave. God gave. God's a big giver. He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life, resurrection life, delight forevermore. That doesn't mean you'll never go through a time of tragedy, you will. That doesn't mean you'll never experience pain, you might. But here's what the promise says, is that this old body, though it may be laid down one day, will get a new life, new resurrection, a glorified body. That is what the promise of the resurrection is all about. Because he lives, I live too. And ask you to do something with your physical eyes. Would you close your natural eyes for a moment? Because I believe that Jesus is still opening spiritually blinded eyes today. And maybe this is a morning, maybe this is a time, this is a season that you are tired of being tired, you are weary of being weary, and today, afresh and anew, the life of God is being illuminated to you. And you want to say yes to that invitation of eternal life that comes through Jesus' sacrifice. You wanna say yes to God. This is your day, this is your moment, this is your time. I believe that Jesus is still opening blinded eyes. For all who are under the sound of my voice, this is a simple prayer. It's just like this, dear God, I'm a sinner. I have committed sins. I have rebelled against you. I come home today. My eyes are open. I can see clearly now. Here it is. Everyone can do this. I say yes to Jesus. I need some believers in this place just to say yes to Jesus. You may encourage someone next to you to say it. Let's say it out loud. I say yes to Jesus. I believe. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I want to see you. I want to see you. Let's worship. We'll be right back.